All right. Today we've got Sagi Rubin. Sagi, thanks so much for uh, making the time. Hey, Joe. Thanks so much. Thanks for getting this thing in motion. I was just uh, <laughs> okay. thinking it's a lot of people has, have ideas. Execution is everything and you did it. So well done. I have no ideas. I only have execution. So uh, let's start out as, as we do. Uh, refresh everyone's memory. What were you doing before you went to INSEAD and what have you been up to for the last 20 years? Yeah. So before INSEAD, I was doing sort of technology and business development related work, mainly outside of Israel, working a bit around the around Europe. And I was really looking to, one, go global and to find new avenues and sort of what is that next stage and like like a lot of people i guess career change thinking about a bit broader uh options and actually since you know post inside i've had a very very non-linear career path and sort of like a lot of us took me across multiple countries and and in my case multiple roles but you know when i look back at it today and where I am, it's sort of, there's this cliche of you, you know, connecting the dots in hindsight, <clears throat> which really fits here because I can now really understand how that brought me to where I am. And, and I think that's been, that's been an interesting ride. But um, the, the one other thing, which, which I'll just mention is I feel like inside was a great basis for this journey, but there was a real significant impact of inside, mainly our class, our class, mates and some of the people in the class that made a meaningful contribution on my journey. And so I'll, I'll touch on that, but you know, it, it, my, my career, I, I would, I could say split into sort of the first decade um, and, and the second decade, which the first decade I was focused on investing. So I did mainly venture capital and private equity investing. And, you know, it, it, right after said uh, I did a, a very short stint in London in, a UK corporate position, and I really didn't fit a UK corporate culture. I think anyone who knows me, I didn't. This was with uh, American Express, uh, just coming out of Inside, and I guess anybody who knew me at Inside could have already told me that I'm not a UK co corporate uh, culture type of person. But um, you know, I, I was there, and on one of my lunches, I snuck into a VC conference that the Israeli Venture Network held in London. I met one of the partners in, in this fund called Gemini in Israel. He was a former INSAD graduate, actually. And long story short, thereafter, I packed up my bags, headed back into Tel Aviv, and joined this fund, Gemini, which was an early stage technology uh, uh, venture capital group. And it, it was super exciting, super interesting, working with entrepreneurs, learning a lot. It was sort of the real MBA um, in, mm -hmm. in that. And I very quickly shifted to focus on what was then called clean tech. So it was almost the first incarnation of this uh, clean tech investing and, and a lot of exciting things. One of the deals we did there, um, I had managed to bring in a co-investor, which was the Virgin Group. So in parallel, Richard Branson was just launching together with the Clinton Global Initiative, this renewable fund and commitment to invest. And they, they launched this fund out of Virgin called Virgin Green Fund. So I did a co-investment with them and, and got worked a lot with the guy who's heading it, a guy called Shai Weiss. He's actually currently the CEO of Virgin Atlantic. And we became good friends. And he was like, what's your next step? And I was like, well, I'm not sure. I like clean tech. I like growth stage investing. And he was like, well, we've got an office in San Francisco. Why don't you come by? 
And so before well, I let, let, me, let me, let me, let me interrupt you for a second. Cause that, that's that, that, but I, I think that there's, there's a really interesting story in, in that jump from MX to what is it? Gemini. Cause you know, VCs, there aren't that many seats to fill in the VC world. And there are a lot more people who want to fill those seats than there are, than there are seats. And sometimes you gotta, you gotta kind of, you know, um, do whatever it takes to, to, to get in there. Did you, did you have a similar experience or, you know, was, was the Israeli connection somewhat, you know, uh, uh, you know, give you kind of maybe a, 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 a front row in the line or, or what can you, can you talk about a little bit about like it that was, or, or did you, did you not find that, that experience to be true? No, it was a hundred percent true. It's, it's, it's a very, very small number of seats. The funds are actually, I mean, it's probably changed a bit and, and the industry has grown, but you know, they're very, it's, it's a, you know, high level, the, the partner, partner heavy associate or analyst light. And so you've got very little, and actually, yeah. So, you know, it was, I was saying it was a long story because I met this partner. I think the NSAD connection helped open the door, but beyond that, it, to be honest, it didn't really help. I mean, people take you for who you are and what you've done. I had an interesting background in doing business development, in, in doing tech and, and sort of went through a very long uh, diligent process that they did and, and, you know, had to do a bit of hard work to get in, but yeah, it actually took me over a year. So uh, it, it didn't happen right wow. away. Initially the, the role they were looking for, I wasn't a perfect fit for it, uh, but then kept sort of pursuing that and managed to, to end up uh, with that team. So absolutely, you know, go, going into venture and going and then moving into that pri- more private equity or growth equity with Virgin was very nonlinear. It wasn't, you know, I, I didn't have that classic route of, uh, you know, an investment banker, for example, uh, going so, into so that. So, sorry for the interruption. Let's go back to the story. So now, now you're, you're just joining Virgin. And what are you doing with, with Virgin? So this was a really exciting point in time because clean tech, this is all pre-2008 crisis. So we were, I was, I, I moved to San Francisco and we were making exciting investments around the clean energy world. Um, I was actually involved in one of I think it was the largest solar deal in those years, a company called Solyndra that, uh, you know, had over 800 million of equity at the time. Um, and, and we did other investments in water and recycling and so on. Um, and and for, it, later, I actually moved to London where the headquarters was, were and focused on water opportunities. We I was actually lucky enough to be part of uh, setting up a new Virgin brand, so we we set up we we formed this company called Virgin Pure that did purified water. So did a lot of work with Virgin as well, even though this was an independent fund with the Virgin brand. So that was exciting. Unfortunately, we were on the wrong side of the cycle. So, uh, Solyndra, for example, got hit with sort of a perfect storm of 08 frozen market for funding falling costs of solar with the Chinese, you know, pushing in products and funding at, at zero cost and having a crazy burn rate. And, and so that was one of the, these spectacular fails of that cycle. Um, but, you know, so, but it, it was an amazing experience going through that. In parallel to that, sort of in my private time and with the little money I had saved up during the years, and importantly, motivated by some of our classmates, I started to look at investing into city center rental flats. So, uh, you know, I was, I was speaking with a few people from our group that were doing it. And most of the European markets were very expensive. It was from 2003, you know, until that financial crisis, everything. But it, I, I 
had some visits in Tel Aviv and it was very counter cyclical. So everybody there was talking about when will the prices stop going, stop dropping. And so I said, this is an amazing time. I, you know, I can only buy something that's very cheap, which Tel Aviv was at the time. And I, I started making these little investments, leveraging up with the banks and, and buying small portfolio of apartments, which ended up doing extremely well, purely due to being at the right time in the right market. And so at that stage, I, I, and were these like, these like short-term rental things or were these no, just, no, just, just apartments? You're, you're, you're buying residential rental, apartments residential. And, and long-term rents. Cool. Yeah. So, so, and, and, and I got to, to a few, because I didn't, this wasn't my business. This was like my hobby at the time, but I did, I did better in my hobby than in my, uh, in, in sort of in the funds because of the cycle. Uh, so I, I, I got to a few realizations. One was I really loved investing, but I was lacking the entrepreneurial angle. So you're sort of sitting with entrepreneurs and you're sitting what they're doing, but you're not the one doing it at the end of the day. Two is I realized that there's two key elements if you want to grow as an investment in investment management or as investment managers. One is the ability to time the cycle right, because if you get it wrong, it doesn't matter how great you are. And B is you want to get scale. And in venture, for example, that's really tough because you know as the company grows, it's a totally different skill set. So in real estate, it, it turns out that's a really great asset class to achieve scale. Um, and so the third thing was I, I had become really fascinated with emerging urban centers and, and there, there, this growing housing crisis where young people, and this is already over a decade ago, now it's only gotten worse, uh, are just struggling to afford to buy and afford to rent. And, and I started looking at these faces, phases of uh, urbanization that every city goes through in different times and, and, and looking for those cities that are just going into that high growth phase where young population is coming back into the center, it's becoming cool, and the values are still low enough that you can, you can afford. So not, it's not central New York or prime London. It's places like Tel Aviv when I had started investing or, or, or some other. And, and so that sort of started my that second decade, which, you know, I, I was more focused on what I'll call investment entrepreneurship. So I was an entrepreneur, I was starting something up, but really on the investment side. And so in, I think it was 2013, I was walking, I was in Spain. Spain was just, cut, you know, at the end of this uh, fall from the great, great financial crisis. And I was walking the streets of Barcelona and, uh, you know, it was, it was a, a super lively city, but in a huge crisis. And I walked into a few agencies and I, I, sense that something super interesting was taking place because it's there's one of the most exciting city centers with young people coming in but then values are really low and so the next thing i know i'm sort of packing up and moving my activities to spain and to barcelona and i started focusing like you you moved you actually moved to barcelona i was was doing back and forth actually i i I had a, a a close friend of mine who became my partner that actually spoke spanish which was very helpful in, in, in Barcelona. So he was there uh, uh, on the ground. And we started building up a portfolio of residential apartments initially with our capital and then some friends' capital and some investors. And then we bought a few buildings and it started becoming pretty big and very interesting. And, and Hold on, this, this is really interesting. Now, how do you, when you're operating in a foreign country like that, how, how are you, you know, actually doing the transactions? Are you using local banks like to, to, to get the mortgage or do you have to, you have to basically pay cash up front for all these places and maybe get someone, you know, a buddy or an investor to, 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 you know, give you the funds. So 
So the interesting thing about investing at the bottom of a cycle is that there is no debt. Nobody wants mm -hmm. to lend. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and so it's full equity. Cash is king, literally. And that's also the challenge. You have to bring a lot of equity, um, especially early on. It's a big challenge because people want to see your track record and so on. So we you just we started small and we built it. And uh, we luck would have it. We timed the market perfectly because the end of 2013 we really saw the start, the beginning of Spain's recovery. And so we, we bought at the right time. But within a few years, it was really getting super heated. And we were chasing deals and everything we bid on got more expensive. And I was like, okay, this is, this is a bit crazy. And at the same time, a friend of mine was pushing me to look at, at Greece and Athens. And, and I, I was looking from, from a distance at Greece for a while because Greece went through the biggest crisis of the GFC. It was the last to be able to come out of it. And so 2016, and I'd never been to Athens. I was actually in Greece, only in the north of Greece with, again, uh, uh, some of our inside team that you know, we, we went down for sort of a vacation, but I flew into Athens, I landed and I walked through the streets and, and, you know, Athens is half of, almost half of Greece's population is in Athens. It's about 6 million people. It's a huge city. It's, it's an amazingly exciting city. And a lot of young people are there and it's exactly a city that's going through that um, uh, phase where it's being reinvigorated. Um, and, and a lot of young people are coming in and a lot of the historic, industrial districts are starting to become cool and funky. So think sort of New York in the early 90s, right? Manhattan in the early 90s. Um, and so I realized that, and the city was, I was, I remember I, the first night I went out was like a Thursday, Friday night. And this, the, the, everything was empty, bars were empty. But you realize that this place has immense potential. So I realized to me, this was the largest opportunity I'd seen. And, and, and again, long story short, before I knew it, I was literally this time packing my bags on a plane to Athens. And so I moved to live in Athens. Um, by the way, at the same time, luckily, because I made this shift, I decided to sell a big part of our portfolio, almost everything at the time. And as a side note, that was pretty lucky because a couple of years later, Barcelona went through this big political turmoil and and and, and prices there got hit. But so let's let, let's be obnoxious. So, what kind of appreciation did you see from thirteen to sixteen on your properties in in Barcelona? This was this was you know we we were buying in at sort of a thousand to two thousand per square meter, uh, or even less in some cases in, in central Barcelona, prime central, and we were. We we're selling at five and above, so five. Oh, fantastic! Six, seven, That's depending. great. So That's great. I mean, this now this was unlevered, but in terms of returns and time, it was, it was excellent returns. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and and so you know, I got I got to Greece, and this time, it, to your question, this really was all Greek to me. So, <laughs> you know, I I'd never good been one, there. good one. I hope I hope you wrote that down. That's a good one. <laughs> You know, they, this was they, the the Greeks actually speak great English, which was amazing. I couldn't have never done it if not. But I still had to Google search the groceries in the market to understand the ingredients. Um, and and you know, at the same time, you are trying to speak with the banks in this sense, not to get loans. By the way, still no loans, full equity, but to buy assets from them. Um, but you know, luckily, Israelis and Greeks have a lot in common. It's almost the same culture in many ways, which was great. Um, and very importantly, our classmates were really my first call. So I called all of our class, you know, we've got Elena and Notis who were in the government, we've got Charis and Damianos, and we've got a lot of people and, and 
and really because this nobody was investing at the time in Greece, it was really in, a, in from a business perspective at, at the bottom of, of that cycle. Everybody opened doors to me from the heads of all the banks to the government to, you know, uh, the largest real estate owners. And so we, we, we set out and we managed to build over the last years um, the one of the most significant institutional grade investment platforms. We, we managed to amass a portfolio of over 40 wholly owned buildings. And I think we're still probably, we were the first, probably is still the only branded residential rental portfolio. So it's called Zoya. And we sort of do rental apartments that are long-term targeting young professionals uh, that are, that want to live in the city center. And, and so just before COVID hit, actually, we managed to exit by selling a large part of our early portfolio to an institutional um, and, and, and that was great. And again, it was great returns because it, there we bought, you know, it was 500 to a thousand euro per square meter, uh, in the prime center. And, and, and some of the values there more than tripled it, it, as the market came back and as actually leverage and financing came back into the market. So, so, and, and that's still running. So I actually put us a, a local CEO in place and we've got a nice team on the ground mainly all Greek locals, and we're still in expansion mode. And I think that's still a great market. But in my final years there, I met um, the person who would, uh, it was now my current partner, Roger Orff, and he came, he, he's sort of a legend in UK and European real estate, formerly was head of Goldman's global real estate business and Citi's uh, global real estate. And he's now a, a vice chairman of Apollo's global real estate. And and he sort of pointed me to the UK market as one that really has an opportunity to achieve scale. And so I started focusing on the UK market and UK market has a real housing crisis. There's almost no institutionally owned product historically. It's really just starting. And there's a lot of these emerging cities. So not central London, Mayfair, you know, where we all us insiders grew, but it's Manchester and Birmingham and Liverpool, which are amazing cities. Over 70% of them are young people in the city center, 20 to 40 year olds. Most of these are actually renting and all the corporates are shifting there. And so to me, that was like, wow, this is an amazing opportunity. And so um, a few years ago, I once again packed my bags and, and now sort of living in London and, and rolling out this portfolio. We're, we're targeting sort of expanding a portfolio very focused on the demographics of young professionals rentals making rental easy taking a lot of the frustration out of that um, making really cool apartment building blocks with common amenities and co-working space spaces um, cutting out the agency middlemen um, delivering a lot of value to tenants but still you know, creating great returns as, as investments. And so we've started in the last couple of years, we, we already have a nice portfolio. We literally last week closed a acquisition of three large building blocks, actually in greater London and Wembley through a joint venture. So one of our key equity partners now is Goldman Sachs, which is also great because sort of a, a great partner to have. And, and yeah, now we're really in growth mode. And I think in terms of the cycle, when you look at what's happening on globally, this is a super exciting time. I feel sort of back to where I was in 2013 in Spain and 2015 or 16 in, in Greece is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of suffering because of leverage, because of where markets are. And for us, that creates huge well, opportunities. That's, this is fascinating. I had no idea you, you were doing this. Um, what, 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 
can you say like what exactly are you buying and then what do you do to it? You're not building from the ground up, right? No. You're buying some existing property and you're putting some paint on it, what have you. Can you talk a little yeah. more about that? So, so we have two strategies. The first one actually was what I developed mainly in Greece, which is we're taking old, mainly office buildings, but also just very old residential buildings and doing a total convergence to them into new building blocks. In Athens, by the way, in the center of Athens, if you have a building, an old building built from the 20s onwards, you don't take it down. You, and the reason you don't do that is if you do and you dig new foundations, you're going to find antiques and your whole project will get stuck. Um, <laughs> and, so, and so renovation is key. But renovation has a lot of other values. You can shorten the process for, for doing that in terms of timeframes. Uh, you can save on the cost. And it has a huge environmental element to it because the carbon savings in if you take down if you use an existing building you're saving almost 50 percent in terms of carbon efficiency which is huge um so that's one element and one strategy and we have a couple of projects already underway where we bought large building blocks that were sort of b-grade office so these are you know building blocks that were built between the 70s to the 90s and they can't really be converted into new office and so converting them to residential makes a lot of sense um, and, and, and then the second strategy is taking what I call first generation multifamily buildings in the UK. So these are buildings that were built between 2010 to 2020 that are getting a bit tired and were not built with the latest thinking in mind and redoing them. So creating common amenity spaces or revitalizing those, creating cool rooftops that could be shared, a lot of co-working spaces, and then in the flats, making them new and cool and fresh and so but but pretty but pretty invasive uh renovation work you're, you're not just painting the building you're, no, no, you're it's, breaking, it's, knocking down walls creating new common areas wow that's it, that's it, a, it that's, depends that's cool. on the building in you know in in these office <clears> buildings in 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 one of them we're literally only leaving the the slabs the superstructure and the substructure everything <clears> else goes down so it's a new project in in these uh in the newer buildings it's you know Replace in the common amenity area, taking out all of the furniture, repainting, changing walls, and stuff like that. But in the apartments, it's probably less invasive. But it's taking out these old carpets and putting in a, a wood flooring, replacing some of the appliances, putting paint, brand new cool furniture, stuff like that. So, so yeah. But the idea is to lift up the the income at the end of the day, which which lifts up your value. All right. Uh, another obnoxious question. So presumably early on when you're in Barcelona, you know, running around trying to buy places, a good chunk of, of the money you have to buy these things is your own money out of your pocket. And now that you've established a track record for yourself, I'm guessing that number has gotten smaller, partly because you've got, you're probably raising a lot more money from outside investors. Can you tell us what, were the, what was the percentage of your money you needed you know, early on in Barcelona? And what, what percent of it is your money now to, to do this project? That's an interesting question. So the percentage has got smaller, but the total amount has gotten much of larger. Course, of course. It's, yeah, it's sort right. of, this is sort of a business where you're constantly chasing more capital. And it's, it's one of those businesses yeah. where somebody tells you, oh, capital is either. Capital is always one of the biggest challenges in, in real estate. Uh, you know, I, I mean, initially, the first, the first places we bought, we, it was, you know, me and my partner would just put in all of the money to, to buy. And this was, you know, flats in the first portfolio of flats. And then we, very quickly try to bring on additional investors so that, so that we could grow. And we sort of did a few flips where we could re, 
reinvest the capital. Uh, but it was always a major portion of, of the capital until we did, you know, we brought on investors. And today we try to be sort of, I would say five to 10% of our, I say ours is sort of by me, the management company and my partner putting in our own capital. You always have to put in a, a significant sure. chunk. Sure. Um, and then, you know, as, as you grow, obviously, you know, this, it becomes sort of deals of, of multi hundred millions, then, you know, you have to fund that. And that, that becomes part of the funding of your own company. And, and that has to keep going. But I'm sort of always funding forward, I guess, is the, is, is mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. concept here. And, and it is a hundred percent of your efforts right now are on these, uh, these UK based projects, or are you, you dabbling in other areas as well? So now, so Greece, I'm not, I don't have any more executive role in Greece. I'm on the board and I'm involved in helping as a board member. And I'm still a, a significant shareholder in that business. Uh, but sort of the team is running there operationally. And here I'm, I'm in the trenches of entrepreneurship, going to sleep at mm-hmm. 2 a.m. And, and building up the business, building up the team. And, it, and, and it's really exciting being back at that early stage. Uh, but I think with, you know, superb partners and, and chasing this very exciting market opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, well, I guess my question was, are there, are, are there, it sounds like you've got a little bit of a Midas touch and figuring out kind of where, where to be, when is all of that effort right now in the UK or are yes. you like looking at other, you know, other places as well? Right. No, uh, I'm actually, I'm looking for some inside information so I can make uh, some investments <laughs> myself basically. I, I'm fully focused on the UK just because we, we are we're, I'm building it as a platform more than just, you know, an opportunistic investment into an asset. But I think mm-hmm. from a more macro perspective, we're entering an extremely exciting time in a lot of the Western markets that have been or are being impacted by interest rates and and just the general market slowdown. That's that's when you want to come in now. You know, it, it, there's always a question, how much do you wait and when do you move and where is the best place? Uh, that's probably a, a topic for a separate podcast. But but yes, there there are opportunities, the U.S. markets, Europe, I mean, across Europe and in the U.K., you're seeing a lot of uh, pain. And then and then across real estate, there's different markets. I'm very, very focused. That's the one thing over the you know last decade. I consistently became more and more focused. So now we're doing pure residential long-term rentals on on a on a very specific demographic which is i think more focused than most real estate even residential players but you know if if you have an appetite to go into office and and retail and there's probably much more distress there i've i've never sort of focused on those so it's less my my area mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. amazing amazing this is this is a great story so you thanks so much for um for for taking the time uh i'll, I'll just ask one of the questions uh, is there, is there anything that, that, um, we as the community could do for you or vice versa? Are, are you looking for any help? And I'm specifically talking about potentially letting some of us in for early investors in your future, uh, projects that, that, uh, where there's room. <laughs> well, I, I, one, as a community, as I said, I, I, I have been super, super lucky to get so much help throughout these things. And I think going into it, inside, I mean, the international aspect of it was a big uh, uh, driver, but you know, going into these new markets, you just pick up the phone and you call someone, and 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 they're so helpful. And it's usually people that are connected to the right people, and 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 so for me, that's been already a huge help. Um, and and so, you know, I'm one. You know, granted, I have very limited time, just where I am in the cycle of of the business, 
I'm happy to help anyone that's looking, uh, you know, in advice or thinking uh, UK or more broader residential real estate. So, so absolutely uh, happy and, and eager to, to help and give back. And then, you know, as, as we progress as a business, I'm always open to, uh, you know, speaking with anyone that may want to, you know, take part with us or, or think about joint opportunities. Cool. Hey, thanks so much for the time. This has been really, uh, thank you really very fun much, to Jeff. catch up. Amazing. Ciao. Thank you. Bye-bye.